snap, and I snap the ball, and there's just this horrific splash. It's time to join the stink tank. You're right, Jets fans. That's the one right there in the middle. And I'm like, I'm just going to go. And I completely emptied my bladder on the bench. I like to call myself the Jason Bourne of pooping. Mark Schlereth. Every Tuesday with Wyman and Bob. It's a conversation, a moment you all anticipate each and every week. The appearance of this man with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Mark Schlereth back with us once again. How are you, man? I am doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Dave and I were just talking during the break about the Broncos and Sean Payton had that, you know, scrum with the the reporters out there, had his press conference and everything. But one thing you, you came out of that, you know, obviously the headline is, you know, quarterback coach will not be allowed in the building, at least the personal quarterback coach of Russell Wilson. And that's a big talking point. But just overall, it seemed like Sean was trying to let you know there's a new sheriff in town and things are going to be different here. Is that what your takeaway was? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But that's, you know, that's Sean Payton. I mean, there's no question who's in charge and, um, and, you know, we're going to follow the program. And so, I mean, which is, which to me is something that, you know, a lot of teams that get into these losing streaks, um, need to figure out from a cultural standpoint, from, you know, a work ethic standpoint, a lot of, a lot of people think they're working hard or think they're preparing, they think they're doing you know, work, practicing hard and doing all that stuff. And then, you know, you, you get somebody who's really done it, who knows what it looks like, and it looks completely different than what you've been doing in the past. So um, certainly I think there were some messages sent uh, on the on the way things are going to be going forward, which is, which is, I think, a good thing, a really good thing. Yeah. What about that, Mark? I mean, obviously, if you ask somebody from our era, it's entirely foreign. Um, and, you know, I guess um, Sean Payton being in this, this sort of the same era as we are. But I hear stories about these entourages and, and things like that and different. Now, with Russ, and look, the one thing I found out with him is that the people that he had were really good people, really good people. Yeah. But is that become more of a of a thing that uh, that that players are doing in the NFL? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we if you look at just us in general as a players association, I mean, we're our own worst enemies, right? We we lock ourselves out of um, $100 million facilities that have, you know, massage care and crab vac care and hydrotherapy units and trainers and, and chiropractors and massage therapists and everything else. And we all fly out to uh, Arizona or California or whatever. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars um, having the stuff that there is there for free, you know, in, in under the – under the guise of, uh, you know, we don't uh, we, we don't want to be under the thumbs of the coaches and stuff, which I, I just think is a bunch of baloney, right? How, how do you develop as a young player, especially a young player um, that wasn't highly touted? How do you develop and and how do you get better um, if our own players association locks us out of our buildings? So I think the whole thing is fairly ridiculous, and it, it has created this, you know, created this kind of uh, I've got to get to my own coach and to my own people and uh, to all that. And, and I think most people are, um, you know, most people are in it to, to help players for sure. But, you know, there are, there are those that, um, you know, have their own agendas as well. So I just think it's the way the league is, is operating now and more and more people have, you know, their own people, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, can I complain also? Um, it sounds like you yeah. also are not a fan of the players association. Um I feel like I get more help from the NFL itself than I do from the players association. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's, I think it's fair. I mean, it, it just is, I think the whole thing is, 
is ludicrous, you know, and it's, and we've probably had this conversation before, but when they were going to put the rookie wage scale in, I was, and I had, had talked to the players association and talked to to Morris. And, and I just think that's the dumbest thing ever. Like rookie wage scale. Yeah. Well, you know, the, like there's this bar I used to attend when I was in, in college, you know, when I go back home for Alaska called Choku Charlie's and their motto, you get a t-shirt says where we cheat the other guy and pass the savings on to you. <laughs> so you think the owners like, seriously, you think the owners are going to save millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on rookie contracts. And they're just going to pass that on to the veterans because they're good people. They're good guys. No, they're going to pass it on to the, the six superstars on the team. And then everybody else is, is, you know, fighting for leftovers. And, you know, the leftovers are really good livings. Don't get me wrong. I know he's going to feel sorry for players. But I just thought it was a stupid idea. And, and oh, by the way, we're going to negotiate. We're going to negotiate on the behalf of guys who aren't in the league. We're going to negotiate on behalf of the guys in college that don't have a voice. And what we're going to do while we negotiate for them is screw them. Because, you know, that's, that's better for, I mean, I, I just like, you guys are, it's, it's just absolutely insane that you think it's going to work. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it, it's a terrible system. Hey, Mark, let me, let me ask you a question about baseball really, really quickly. Something Dave and I were just talking in relation to owners, and you're, you had a son that played uh, pro ball, so you, you might have a feeling about this. But it, was, it centers around Steve Cohen, the, the owner of uh, the New York Mets. And apparently he's, he's drawing some flack from the other owners because of how much money he's spending, almost a half a billion dollars. And you feel, they apparently feel like he's making them look bad. And you've got teams like the Oakland A's that have an owner that's worth two and a half billion dollars, whose payroll is forty million. And they're putting nothing yeah. into their product. Same with multi-billion-dollar owner in in Baltimore in the payroll in the forties. And so, I was looking at it going, he's playing by the rules that they set up. Those are the you, you make yourself look bad. He's not making you look bad. You've got the financial wherewithal, but you're electing not to invest in your product the way that he is. So uh, do you look at that? Do you look at Cohen is the bad guy? Do you look at the guys that are spending nothing yet they've got billions? Or how do you view that situation? Yeah, I, I, I go the opposite way. I look at the teams that just are unwilling to spend money. Um, you know, and and we're here we're here in Colorado. I'm here in Colorado. And Dick Monfort, uh, God bless him, the Rockies being really good to me. But he comes out a week ago or two weeks ago and says, hey, we're really uh, – we're really excited about uh, potentially playing 500 ball. Like we're, <laughs> oh, you guys are on the way then. I mean, good for you guys. Like, um, yeah, I mean, just like you guys are making, especially here in Colorado, where they're one of the top ten of the uh, baseball teams in in the big leagues. You know, I mean, they just have all kinds of fans coming over, and you know, ultimately, um, and ultimately, the ballpark is is you know the draw come check out our ballpark and our rooftop bar and, you know, enjoy the sunset in Colorado. And, you know, it's not about the baseball team winning. It's about the experience of going to the game. And, um, you know, I mean, hey, man, they're making money hand over fist. You know, they're printing money over there. Good for them. But I, I would like to see competitive baseball teams. So don't complain about the lack of competition or, or the fact that you can't compete when you choose not to spend the money. Um, that's That's a you problem, not – you know, not a Mets problem. Hey, Mark, so what did you think? You know, going into last week, I thought, okay, the NFL found something they're not good at. That's the Pro Bowl. 
I was fairly entertained. Now, the flag football thing, I mean, I don't know. It still was worth watching to me, and I thought some of the events were stupid and some of them were really good. But uh, they they had like 58,000 people there. Uh, yeah. I, I was really surprised by that. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, again, let's not give too much credit to the NFL. We're selling crack to crack addicts, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're doing. So, like, we, we have an insatiable appetite for football, Jeez. even if it's garbage. And so, like, <laughs> like we're going to go we're going to go watch it. Um, you know, the, pro, the, the, the truth of the matter is the freaking the flight football game will probably outrate any NBA game played the next month. Yeah. Um, you know, any National Hockey League game as well. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of it, Dave, so I didn't watch a whole lot of the events. I watched some of the flag football game and was just irritated that none of the fat guys got to play. Yeah. They just stood on the sideline. Like, I'm like, okay, how come, come that, except the center, you know, gets to hike the ball? I was like, okay, can, how can we put fat guys out there for, uh, for one series and let fat guys run around and cover each other? That would be, that to me would be entertaining. I think, um, I think you're anyway, right. Yeah. He just came up right. with a new spin that they could try next. The fat guys are the good, receivers. Uh, they'll they'll have them throw the ball, and we'll let the wide receivers and the you know the running backs stand on the sideline. Yeah, I mean we we let the fat guys go out there and show their wares. <laughs> so I, I would love to see that. Anyhow, well, but, I think uh, there'd be about twelve uh, pulled hamstrings <laughs> uh, if you put the fat no, guys. We don't, run fa- we don't run fast enough to pull hamstrings. <laughs> Trust me. And plus, the other thing is. Nobody over there really wants to bust a grape. So it's going to yeah. be, you're going to get a few guys that are going to throw some moves out there. You know, I mean, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be big fun. So I'd like to see that. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool just in the sense of for some of those guys, they get seen They're You know, we're so used to seeing them in helmets and pads and seeing the number and the name on the back of the Jersey. But when they take their helmet off, they're fairly anonymous. So it feels like just in terms of marketing for individuals and getting fans to know who these guys are, it, that that's a plus. It, and it was yeah. different than the patty cake they would play before. So you went in knowing, all right, nobody's hitting. We understand this is an ex- this is for fun. And it seemed like the players loved it. So I kind of dug it. But, hey, one, one other thing that's, uh, you know, such a huge story for obvious reasons is the future of Aaron Rodgers, who's going to go on a four-day darkness retreat or whatever the hell he's calling it. Right. But, but – by the way, by the way, seriously, how do you know when you're done wiping if you're in four days of darkness? Like, do you have to slide that under the door and have it proofread for you? Oh, <laughs> of course you went there. You go, yeah, okay, can you guys take a look at this for me and let me know if I'm clean? Well, problem like, is he's alone the whole time. He said he only has meals delivered outside of that. He's in the company of nobody. The, the blinds are down, no electronics. He just sits in the dark. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think he's yeah. just going to have faith or go by sense of smell. Uh, but, hey, <laughs> what, what uh, the, the way he's being covered just in terms of his future, it's as if he's a free agent. Like, where are you going to go? Who's What team do you want to play for? I mean, he's still under contract. There still has to be a deal worked out if he says, all right, I want to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. There still has to be something that he's not just a free right. agent, but the way it's being covered, it's like he's a free agent. Yeah, because I think both both sides, even though nobody wants to actually admit that it's time to move on, you know, I got a great sense late in the season. I had them against uh, them when they went to Chicago and beat Chicago at the end of the year. Um, I have about five weeks left, and it's when Aaron said to me, he goes, hey, man, who knows? We Do I think we're capable of winning five straight and getting in? We'll get some help? Yeah, absolutely. And 
Of course, they fell short of doing that. But, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about that conversation I had with him was, was really his take on Jordan Love and how much better Jordan Love and how much more professional Jordan Love was from a preparation standpoint. And the guy who really taught Aaron Rodgers really about NFL football when he came in as a young player, as a rookie, and was backing up Brett Favre was a guy by the name of Tom Clemens, who was a quarterback coach. And Tom, they brought Tom back um, a year ago. And, you know, and, and Tom has spent so much time, like, really educating the quarterback. He's like, we've got a lot of footwork drills and a lot of, you know, throwing with your feet and the timing of everything, but a lot of just understanding football more globally. Um, and so one of the really cool things that Aaron had told me about just kind of his understanding of coverage is every coverage, and Dave would know this better than I, is really tied to a front. So whatever front you play, it, there's usually a corresponding coverage that, that that team plays with that particular defensive front. And, you know, in alignment of linebackers, I could always tell, like, if you're going to get a weak or strong rotation from a safety standpoint by the way of the linebackers bump. So if the linebackers bump uh, weak, you're getting a strong rotation on the safety. If they bump strong, then you're going to get some type of weak rotation on safety. So then you automatically know before the ball's even snapped, just on the position of people, uh, are we going to get two high look, you know, open, uh, middle of the field opener, or single high safety, middle of the field closed. And, and all these kind of more intricate understanding of the game is something that Tom Clemens um, spends a lot of time with his quarterbacks. And so Aaron raved about the growth of, uh, of Jordan Love. And I would just have to believe that, you know, obviously they saw that too and, and understand that, you know, Aaron is, you know, Aaron's probably got another couple of years left, but, um, you know, maybe it's time to unleash that salary and, and move toward a new quarterback. Hey, um, so – what do they have every Fox broadcast team numbered? Like this is the one, the two, the three, the four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes. So, so where are you, Mark? Uh, I have been, I have been number, I've been the number three for several years, um, but have been like, like rotate, like rotate between the two and the three game, but officially counted as the number three. Well, you're number one with us, but you've got okay. uh, you've got Tom Brady coming in and with yeah. a, a huge uh, amount of money. But uh, how much have you talked to Tom? And you know, I hear really good things about people that have that have run into him and and talked to him. What's uh, what's your relationship been like with him? With him, and how do you feel about him coming into the booth? Um, well, one, you know, it's probably going to push me out. So uh, that part of it, I don't like. I, I would like to just do with, like, I'd like to do it with him. And I would just be like his Ed McMahon. And and so <laughs> then Tom would analyze whatever happened. Oh, oh you are correct, Tom. <laughs> you know, and that, that would be my whole job. So I quit studying and quit preparing. And I was just like, I'm sure whatever you're thinking is correct, Tom. Uh, so, but I, you know what? He is, I tell you, he is amazing like just an absolute absolutely amazing and the reason one of the reasons i thought that he would continue to play is because i think the only place that he can just be a dude is in the locker room mm. and he is i mean he is he is a like let me tell you he's just a, a straight up he's a dude man he's a great player he's fun to be around 
I think the guys are really challenged by him. They really like him. And, um, you know, and he challenges them. And, and you know, I, I remember the first year that uh, I was calling Tampa games when Mike Evans was there. Uh, well, Mike Evans is still there. But when the first year that Tom came there and Mike Evans just telling me, listen, this dude is like we've all had to up our games because of the way that he prepares, the way he works, the way he challenges himself. Um, and so – it just is. He's a he's a great dude to talk to. So I'll give you a, a story. Um, the different than the uh, the different than the whole uh, ED stuff that we talked about. Um, you know, I told him he's like I did a Zoom with him this year on Thursday because I didn't know if he was going to play in week 18 of the regular season. And so I did the Zoom on Thursday instead of meeting with him Saturday night because if he decided not to play, then he doesn't have to meet with us. And so I asked him. Um, He's like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not going to turn on the camera. I'm getting worked on. And I was like, well, that's really disappointing because I was hoping to look in the, uh, you know, I was looking, hoping to look you, you know, stare at your, your uh, magnificent blue eyes. And so <laughs> this is going to be really. And he goes, okay, hold on. He turns on, the, he's shirtless laying on a table, you know, he turns on the camera. Hi, how are you? Like, <laughs> he's just, he's just, you know, is about as goofy as I am. So um, he's just, he's a good dude that guys really respect and, um, you know, he's not coming into the booth until 2024, so I have a year to prove myself. So <laughs> there you go. Right. So what does that mean? Everybody gets pushed down, so like Greg Olson will get pushed into the number two spot and the person that's the number two will get pushed into your spot? Is that how that works? Yeah, that. I mean, theoretically, yeah, unless they decide to do a three-man booth with him, um, which I can't imagine them doing. So okay. anyhow. All right. Yeah, I, again, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, – that's a year away. That's a that's an issue that I'm not going to concern myself with. Right. Uh, it's out of my hands. They're, they're going to do whatever. Like one thing I've learned about television is is uh, it's kind of like football. They're going to do whatever they're going to do, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So if they decide they don't like you anymore, um, you got to go look for new work. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what what's uh? We're not going to talk to you again, obviously, before the big game this weekend. What's what's your feeling about about the matchup? Which way are you leaning? I got um. Well, you know, as a Bronco, um, I'm taking the Eagles. Um, I think it should be a good one. Uh, I got the Eagles 100, Kansas City nothing. So that um, – no, I, I think – honestly, I think the Eagles are a better football team. I think top to bottom, you know, I mean, the quarterback, which is a big thing, we all understand that that's a big thing. I think quarterback, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is a freak show. Um, and I think tight ends are close. I think if you if you went – player for player, Dallas Goddard versus, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. You give it to Travis Kelsey. But Dallas Goddard is a dang good football player, a really good tight end, and he's a complete tight end. He'll block people. But other than that, I would say that the Eagles are a better football team in pretty much every other position across the board. And I think they've got one of the most dominant groups up front in the National Football League. They are, I mean, they are physically gifted uh, they're 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 physical. They can run downhill. They can play that game. They can, you know, pin and pull and capture the perimeter of your of your defense. Um, they're they're outstanding. They're a lot of fun to watch. So I think their run game with the quarterback run and everything else, I'll give the uh, advantage to Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. Hey, one thing to not do to get you moved up in the booth or whatever is be like Pat McAfee and wear a tank top constantly. What is with that dude, man? He's a punter. I, yeah, he's uh, he's a free spirit. That's okay. just being a free spirit right there, Dave. Okay. 
Well, Dave's not have. impressed with his wardrobe. Yeah, maybe I'll get one of those cutoff T-shirts that, well, never mind. That would be, I'd yeah. rather, I've always said, Mark, at this age, I'd rather go pantsless than shirtless. But, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm kind of, I I look, I like to say that I look really good with my clothes on. Um, <laughs> off, not so much. It's just not, it's not great. <laughs> Nobody's winning there. All right. Yeah. Hey, Mark, as always, great stuff. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game this week. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Mark Schlereth with us each and every week. That's a, <laughs> he looks funny. really good with his clothes on. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's cool hearing that about Tom Brady, but it does kind of suck. I mean, I don't know if that docks your pay or whatever, not being, you know, it's just more about your, your ego or, you know. Are you talking about being moved out of yeah, the spot? Yeah, moving or? out because, you know, Brady obviously well, how many- in 2024 is. I wanted to follow up with him. I forgot to ask how many teams are there. Like, there's the first team, second team, third team. Because he made it sound like he's out. <laughs> like, yeah, is he not? I don't think so. Part of the rotation anymore? Is there a fourth team? I don't know how many. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. But I, if memory serves, who was uh, Sanchez? CBS. Yeah. See, you're you're talking to the wrong guy. I, I pay yeah, such little Fox. attention to the. He was Fox. I think, I think there's. Yeah. You could look at the weekly assignments. Just, I think there's four. Regular teams, or regular you're teams, have more or less based on how many games you have that weekend. Yeah, you get the occasional, you know, like you had Dick Stockton on some games, and he's not a regular anymore on Fox. But hmm. I think there's probably so maybe four is a safe bet for their normal broadcast crews. Uh, so he could still be with them, but he gets yeah. bumped down or something. Yeah, I guess. and I don't know if that affects his pay scale or whatever. But uh, or maybe maybe it just means that you're going to do the uh, the Indianapolis Colt uh, Houston Texan game. Yeah, that's your call. <laughs> that's Enjoy. Your, that's what Enjoy. you get to do. <laughs> all right. If you missed any of our conversation with Mark Schlereth or anything from the show, all you need to do is go to the podcast page at seattlesports.com and click on the podcast cast tab then click on our picture and it'll be right there waiting for you after the show each and every day now we've talked a lot about the mariners offseason but how does the rest of the al west look we'll get into that coming up with wyman and bob this is seattle sports station on 710 wyman and bob powered through the alaska airline studio on seattle sports station Our thanks to Mark Schlereth for joining us on the program. Again, if you guys just tuned in or you didn't catch all of it, it will be available for you on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. So check that out. Uh, meanwhile, our uh, Mariners insider, Shannon Dreher, has started a – she's doing a daily series where she's breaking down the offseason and the, the current conditions, current state of the other teams in the AL West. So taking a look at the, the Rangers and the A's and the Angels and – the cheaters, so they'll uh, there'll be a breakdown of all of those. <laughs> the Houston cheaters, the Houston cheaters. Word. They're going to wear that. They're just going to wear it. That's just going to be how it goes. Well, I think you're going to keep it alive, Bob. <laughs> you, you darn skippy. I'm going to give them a break because it's my favorite team. Oh, so. see, you, it's weird that you got that half Astros, half 49ers jersey, and <laughs> the multiple hats, the Astros hat, the 49ers hat. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. But okay. I just want to make sure nobody thinks that I'm a homer for the Mariners <laughs> and the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, that'll convince them. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, so she does a breakdown of that. And again, you can check it out at seattlesports.com also jeff passing on uh with uh, brock and salk talked about where the rest of the teams in the al west stand in his opinion i don't see the rangers or angels as big threats to the mariners to be honest i think they're going to be better but Mm -hmm. i still i still think the mariners are pretty clearly the second best team in the division and 
I don't think they've caught up to the Astros. You know, Astros losing Verlander, big, but they have like seven starters last year, so they can fill in the back end of the rotation just fine there. And they added Jose Abreu. And so uh, I think the, the Astros have done a nice job of keeping together a championship core. All right. So there you go. So setting up much like last year, in his opinion, that the the number one team is firmly planted at number one in the Houston Astros, and number two would be the Seattle Mariners, in his opinion. And in Shannon's breakdown, she kind of goes into, you know, gives you a little insight as to what their record was last year, just looking at each team. You know, the Angels were 73-89 and 89 last year. Uh, so what they've added is Brandon Drury, a guy that I thought could be that mid-level potential bat and I know he didn't he didn't produce when he got moved out of Cincinnati last year he didn't he didn't crush it by any stretch he just seemed like one of those middling guys that could could be of value but he he goes to the Angels they also bring in Hunter Renfro and Gio Urshela Tyler Anderson Brent Phillips um and then the she puts down the the Zips projection excerpt so uh for the upcoming season so for the Angels it says likely to considerably improve on their 2022 record and have a great shot to get above 500 for the first time in quite a while. How about that? The amount of money that team has spent, yeah, <laughs> whether it's... it's Mike Trout or Anthony Rendon or anybody else, you know, Pujols before that, and Shohei Otani's making $30 million this year, and they're hoping to get above 500. Yeah. how I, they view that team. That's where I, I was wondering about Shohei Otani that, I mean, you got the feeling that he wanted to be on the West Coast, right? But yeah. he wasn't going to go to the A's, um, you know. But I don't know why not Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Mariners. But um, yeah, they they have spent a lot of money and not gotten anywhere. So it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, maybe there's uh, there's some pressure there this year. Yeah, interesting as as she writes, the Angels will go into the 2023 season with not one, not two, but three players who will pull down annual salaries of 30 million or more. How about that? That's amazing. Yeah, so obviously two of those being Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who are brilliant players. So we'll, we'll see what it is they do. Um I think it's dangerous to write off the Angels and write off write off any of these teams because they've been active maybe with the exception of the A's and their 40 million dollar payroll. Uh but yeah. but the the Rangers have added to their rotation and they'll she does breakdowns of well, uh, will do breakdowns of the Rangers and others coming up. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but before we move on from Mike Trout, how do you feel about, from the Angels, how do you feel about Mike Trout after complaining about people throwing at his head? <laughs> when, remember, I think what we said was, well, we're disappointed in him. Yeah, I was very disappointed. And I'm, and I'm, I view him the way I sort of viewed Aaron Rodgers back when I defended Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. I wasn't a Packers fan. I'm not a Packers fan, but I really, as a football fan, would appreciate watching what he did. That's how I feel about Trout. I'm not an Angels fan. I'm certainly not pulling for the Angels. I really like watching the guy play, except for when he plays the Mariners because he destroys them. You know, once we get into baseball season, we're going to have to interview Mike Trout via uh, Adam Ray. <laughs> we're going to have to. It's so do hard it. to tell the difference between the two. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to hear that again. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if he remembers it. But so spot on, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sounded like he was French and like a yeah. French Kermit the Frog. Yeah, basically. the accent changed throughout the conversation. Yeah. You know how like All Star Games a little more lighthearted. You know, we had the Super Bowl media night and they had all these weird questions. Maybe Adam Ray can get credentialed at the All Star Game this year and go interview Mike Trout. As Mike Trout. In that voice. In that, that voice. Fantastic. You think yeah, Trout would... a regular season game. But the All Star game, everyone's having fun. They're more relaxed. Trout would be looking at him like 
Wait, what's wrong with you? Who, it's like, who, why is Charles Barkley interviewing yeah, you? <laughs> He's over <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Hey, I got a question for you, man. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> it's well, the most ridiculous impression ever. <laughs> yeah, it really was. But I, I think that that would be great. But yeah, I remember, the, you know, he kind of started that whole fight there. So with the Angels. Um, yeah, it was just we. It was disappointing. Yeah. yeah. We felt that about other people who aren't, you know, that have loose attachments to the show and just, yeah. you know, things they've said. <laughs> you're, you're not mad, just disappointed. Yeah, exactly. you know things like that. It's the old, it's the old parent thing. You'd rather they're mad at you than disappointed in you. Right? I was yeah. disappointed in Mike. Still a brilliant. Still love to watch him play. Again, not against the Mariners, but if you're a baseball fan, how do you not appreciate watching that guy play? Yeah. No, I know. But you know, then you grow up and you're like, eh, I've had plenty of people tell me I disappoint. I'm like, eh, that's right. I really don't care. <laughs> you're numb to it now. Yeah. yeah. Get in line. There's a lot yeah. of disappointment in that I, line. I really don't care. Yeah, so she, uh, so she's going to do that. Shannon Dreyer is doing this again. You can read it at seattlesports.com. Just looking at, you know, each team in the AL West, little little projection from Zips, uh, addition, subtractions, things like that. She did it for the Mariners. Uh, and Zips, by the way, looking at the Mariners, saying, uh, "quote The Mariners look like an eighty-five to ninety-win team with a tighter range of outcomes than most clubs. That's fun and makes the M's a serious contender." So, kind of. Similar to our, our guy uh, uh, Petriello yesterday said, yeah, they look like probably somewhere in that range, like a 90-win team. So kind of exactly what they've been the last two seasons, which is good and bad. If It's good because you're winning and potentially a playoff team again, but you'd like to see them take that neck. You'd like to see people feel like, you know what, they took the steps in this offseason. I think that's a 95-win team or that's, that's a 96, an improvement, that that's a step up from what they were. Yeah, I, I think also you look at some of the subtractions uh, in Shannon's article and you go, man, are you going to miss Mitch Hanniger? I, I really am going to miss Love him. Mitch Hanniger. Eric Swanson, too. He man. was he was big for them. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. he the one that supposedly threw at Trout? Was he on the mound? Was that Swanson? That, yeah, I think he might be right. I think it was Swanson yeah. on the hill. So, uh, and then, you know, Jesse Winker, not really going to no. miss. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana, and when we were talking to uh, Service, his name came up quite a bit, Carlos Santana, about his leadership and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that'll that'll be missed. Kyle Lewis, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, sure. it just I loved Kyle Lewis, loved him, but you know, he just he just knew that there was going to be a problem with his knee pretty much forever. Well, yeah, you just, I mean, man, that recovery from what was supposed to be just a, you know, kind of a standard knee injury that you hear every single day in the NFL and every other sport. And it lasted years. And he just, you know, they'd play him two nights in a row. Then he wouldn't play for a few nights. You you, you just couldn't count on consecutive or consistent contribution from him because of that. You just yeah. couldn't run him out there. So, yeah, it is unfortunate. And then the other guys they lost, Luis Torrens, Matthew Boyd, Kurt Casale, um, Abraham Toro, Adam Frazier. So, yeah, you, you, a lot of guys moved off, some of which didn't really live up to what you were hoping. And we'll, we'll see if the additions in, in Hernandez and Wong and Pollock and, and – you know, Tommy Lastella, I guess, or can fill that gap and maybe exceed what was there previous. I will miss Abraham Toro's little parentheses legs. <laughs> you, you're going to miss hearing him speak Canadian. That too. <laughs> That's that what too. you're going to miss. All right. The Broncos are paying a lot of money for Sean Payton. So what does it mean for a potential power struggle with Russell Wilson? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station.
So much conversation centered around the Denver Broncos and new head coach Sean Payton coming in. And uh, he's apparently he's reportedly being paid somewhere around 18 million dollars a year. Is that where did, where did we see that number at Lefko? That is uh, all the stories are just written about it. 18 million yeah. a year. Doesn't wow. need to be divulged, right? Like they don't there's no requirement there by the NFL. Right. We just it sometimes leaks out, right? Yeah. NFL sources, all these guys picked it up yesterday when that came out, so uh, it's a I'm lot of go, cash. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that makes him the highest paid coach in the league. Probably. Right? He, that's more than Belichick and yeah. and Pete even, right? Isn't Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I I don't know, at one point a few years ago, I thought I heard the uh, 7 million. I think that was for for Pete, but that was probably 16, 17. Well, look what broadcasters 18. are getting paid now. Well, <laughs> like Romo and Brady. Yeah, Brady. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. those wow. Let's, All let's right. narrow the broadcaster thing. Oh, sorry. TV stars, Dave. Okay. Oh, <laughs> stars. Yeah. Not okay. radio nobodies like us. Come on. We're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a different tax bracket, a much lower one. Uh, but Sean Payton, you know, so he's making that kind of money. He's, he's being paid to turn this ship around. And, you know, he's uh, he, the, the cut that seems to be. You know, he he's talked a lot about, you know, he was asked about, you know, Russell and his office and his quarterback coach and all that good stuff. Uh, but he also was just talking about his standards and expectations for this team overall. I think with any team or any organization, you know, you have law and order, as Bill would say, you know, and, and there's a certain uh, unselfishness to being part of a team. I, you come in with your standards, but you're not coming in indicting anyone else's. You're just coming in with this. this is how we're going to teach this is how we're going to meet this is how we're going to practice i'm not too familiar with maybe how that was in the last few years four years or five years and and look it's kind of one of those where you, you know you really knock the rear view mirror off the automobile we're just looking forward <laughs> that's interesting well that's it seems like the right mindset right i mean yeah. why would you concern yourself well that's how they did it before well the way they did it before wasn't working which is why i'm here now well, and he has his own very well-established way of doing things. So, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, and, you know, and I just – it'll be curious to see how that I, – I do think – and this is what I was asked when, when Russ left and was traded and everything. My – what I said was that he got too big for his britches. Now, th- that doesn't mean that I hate him and I think he's a crappy quarterback or anything, but I do think this was a humbling year for Russ, and I don't see there being a problem between him and, and Sean Payton. I feel like that that's, that's going to be – that's going to go okay, and maybe he'll get back more to, to that and kind of like staying in his lane. I think he's, he's got too much regard for Sean Payton. Yeah. I think he's going to well, be – yes. Supposedly. Well, yeah, that's what we hear. I, I, how does anybody? And Russ is a smart guy. He's not a dumb person. How do you come off that year and feel like anything you did was the right way? Or hey, this really worked out. I'm not moving away from this. No, I, I would think after a year like that, where you became the pincushion of NFL media and the you know fan bases, you were the favorite target. That all right, Sean? What do you think? I'm on board. You you tell me what the game plan is, and I'm going to execute it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I, I think it's. It's interesting, uh, by the way, you know, I talked about this and I didn't elaborate and I just said to Mark Schlereth that whenever I was on the road and it was his security guy, uh, certainly his wife, um, you know, his, uh, you know, 
Vi- not vitamin, but uh, a diet uh, diet person. Vitamin guy. The vitamin guy. <laughs> guy walking around with bottles of vitamins, well, clanging and, everywhere. And, and like he had pe- people to stretch him and everything. I remember one time I was uh, it was in a preseason game down with the Chargers when they were playing in that little tiny bandbox uh, stadium there. Uh, and uh, you know he, he wasn't going to play in the preseason, and so I was down fairly early for me. Bob, I was up at about eight thirty or nine working out, and he's down there. He'd Crazy. already been at it. Yeah, he'd already <laughs> been at it for like an hour, and he had his guy you know stretching him and everything i mean so all of that wasn't just for show it's because of the performance thing and i thought it was interesting that we we talked to mark schlereth and he said well yeah the the players association locks them out whenever they have a bargaining agreement and you know they didn't they didn't you weren't able to get that stuff so you know i think that's uh I think all of that part of it is if he could just go back to the way that things were when he was here, you know, before he, you know, wanted to do a little bit more, I think he's going to be fine. And I don't, I don't think he's going to have a problem with, with Sean Payton one little bit even. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is about a player like him or Tom Brady or any of these guys that have, you know, performance people around. To me, there's a difference between those things, you know, somebody that works his nutrition guy and his, this is my masseuse and this is my person that stretches me, whatever. There's a difference between that and the hangers on that, you know, oh, this yeah. is my buddy from, from back in the day. When and you he, talk about like entourage. Your yeah. entourage. Yeah. I, there, there's part of that that I respect, that they're investing that much in it. What was it, a couple years ago that like LeBron James spends like a million dollars on his well-being in the off-season was nutrition and health and money well spent. How that's something that I wouldn't rip any player for. Like that's yeah. that's the kind of player I'd want. Now uh, this is removing what happened last year with Russ and his ego and all that. That's that needs to be corrected. But those that would rip, not just Russ, Tom Brady again, LeBron, any of these guys that are investing in themselves. How would you not love that if you are if he plays for your team? That this guy. Yeah. Not this isn't Kyler Murray that has to have study time written into his contract because otherwise he's not going to even study. This is somebody who's investing hundreds, if not you know, a million dollars into being the best they could possibly be to be at their physical peak each and every year. I've got respect for that. The the guys are kind of yeah, they're making tons of money, but they're also investing in. I'm not just going to sit on this contract and go. I'm good. I'm I'm fine. No, yeah. I'm, I I've got respect for that part of it. Sure, the ego and wanting to be a GM and make personnel. That's that's completely separate. I'm I'm just talking about well, those people being around him. I think it's going to be difficult though. A little bit. It's going to be tricky to you know like if you have somebody else who's a consultant or he's breaking down film and the game plan and stuff like that. Everybody has different ideas, mm-hmm. you know. And if all of a sudden. You know, I don't know. It conflicts. That's that's kind of where I, I would be on Sean Payton's side, man. I'm like, you know, we're we're bringing our guys in. This is what you know what they're going to do for us. They're our coaches. They're going to prepare us. And you know, and I always thought of like for Jake Heaps, who we love, and I'll I'll protect Jake as long as he's on this earth, and and because he's just one of the best dudes ever. But um, you know, for him, I think he was like getting him. A little bit extra prepared, you know. There's like yeah. you can't be too prepared, right? So, as long as it doesn't conflict, and I think that um, you know, with what they're trying to do, and I think there might be some, there might be something there, and I, it will be interesting to see how they kind of settle into that because I know that Russ, you know, typically isn't 
one of those guys that's going to be a jerk about it or anything. But, you know, I think that there was a period of time there where he he got, like I said, a little bit big for his britches. All right. Coming up, we got into a good discussion about this earlier. We'll dive back into the key free agent decisions for the Seahawks. We've got a list of their free agents, and we go through and we sort of categorize or prioritize them. We'll do that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.